uh, it's been a long uh, break since our last podcast, and so much has happened. Uh, so, I mean, we'll get into it in a second, but I, I, I remember talking to you, Julio, last time because you were like, so for the listeners, Julio always gets like inspired for ideas to do for the podcast, which is great. Um, and he'll text them to me, and he was like really inspired last time because there was like no no free agent moves, no trades or anything. It was just all was quiet on the Western Front for the A's. Um, and we're like, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, we'll do it in like two weeks. Like, there's no point to do one now because it's just filler. And then within like five days of that, in a week span, just like fucking just machine gun it was insane all is quiet on the storm front and then all of a sudden the a's got elvis andrews and then two days later they signed uh what was his face or not they traded for uh, back they traded for cody thomas and colert and then a couple days after that they trade or they signed jed and then a couple days after that they signed uh, yeah. Romo and Petit, and then a couple days after that, they signed Moreland. It's just, oh my god, it's just nonstop. Yeah, so it's been nonstop. It's it's yeah, and we kind of waited a bit longer because um, there's some other stuff we're gonna talk about in a minute. But hey, welcome back, welcome back to the town tailgate, everybody. Glad um, to see you are, uh, Chris. Welcome back from Tampa. Yeah, yeah, I was, in, uh, I was there. Now you're back on decent Wi-Fi again. It's pretty great. Uh, yeah, you guys and are now watching I'm... the show it was pretty shitty last time, so. I'm on decent Wi-Fi, and I'm also uh, not surrounded by uh, just people who just, you know, don't just, just you know, Floridians? Just do normal things. It's, I don't know. I don't know how else to, ex- I don't, yeah, Floridians. I don't know how else to explain it. It's just a, it's a weird atmosphere down there. Um, you know, and you t- you t- to be honest with you, I've listened to a lot of podcasts in the past two weeks, and um, you know, they're actually not living their life that bad. And I don't need to get into it because this isn't a health and safety podcast. But um, yep. I learned some interesting things that were myths that um, have not been uh, the media has not been very good about letting uh, yep, the yep. public know about. Um, anyway, outdoor dining back show, open man. in California. Yeah, well, yeah, little little by little, things are kind of getting back to normal uh maybe we can watch some games at some bars soon i'm getting a haircut tomorrow so that's cool you are that's good you are looking a little shaggy i will say uh last time i got my haircut was i think no joke i think it was like game four of the world series why did you wait so long were you trying to grow it out or just well one everything closed again oh that's right that's right yeah yeah and then uh i i just didn't feel comfortable i didn't feel comfortable going yeah to being that close even though my barber does a great job with the social protocol like covid protocols but i just didn't feel comfortable myself yeah you're um, still in an indoor facility so that the ventilation is always a worry for sure yeah so jam-packed show we have pretty much this is gonna be i think maybe oh the wait first... we have to do a show i forgot i thought we yeah. were just talking i think Zoom. this might be like the first show ever where it's all A's. It literally, every, yeah. there's going to be one thing that's going to be non-A's, which will be fun. But everything else is A's. So the first half, Chris hold and on, I hold are... On. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. What's that noise in the background? I just heard a woman yell. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So uh, I was a little mute, late to the podcast because I was playing to Mario Kart with Ann Whitney, uh, my girlfriend, and uh, a couple friends online. So getting pretty intense on that game. Still plays, yeah, she's she's a bully, and 
Uh, it's just funny because like, I love playing Mario Kart. I've been playing it for since I was like seven. So like, I'm really, I, I think I'm really good. That's one thing I can confidently say I'm great at, at is Mario Kart. Yeah. And when we, when I got this Mario Kart, Mario Kart Eight, she hadn't played Mario Kart before, so I kind of like showed her the days, taught her some stuff, and now she's just like this complete monster. What character does she just use? Kicking, uh, Cat Peach, because of course. It's from one of the new Mario games where you can get like a cat ability. Um, yeah, and, no, I, I get what you're saying. It's just an interesting combo. All right, back to the show. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, yeah, Jesus Christ. So, uh, first half, we're just going to be talking about all the moves that have happened over the last three weeks within the organization from the trade from Elvis Andrews uh, to the DFA of some guys who we thought were going to be around a little bit. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But then later. Chris, super stoked. We have a huge guest this week. Uh, we're both huge fans of her. Alex Coffey. She is the A's beat reporter for The Athletic. Um, I'm going to say this again later, but I'm going to say it again now. If you are an A's fan, if you're a baseball fan, sports fan in general, and you are not subscribed to The Athletic and reading a lot of those great material there, you're missing out. Uh, she's going to be talking to us about spring training because that's also happening right now, uh, especially it's going to be interesting to kind of hear perspective of what we've been trying to go through these last few weeks where pretty mellow off season. And then guess what? Out of nowhere, a avalanche of information goes down. And, and, uh, plus, and she literally canceled. We were supposed to record with her tonight and she canceled on us cause she had to write uh, her column for tomorrow. So uh, when this drops, you guys will be able to read her stuff. Yeah, exactly. So uh, super excited to have her on the show. And then uh, last this is a new segment kind of made up on the fly but it's gonna be this week in boomers ruining baseball and we're gonna talk about kevin mather the former team president for the seattle mariners and the dumbassery that went down during his rotary club and as Um, you all know this podcast hates boomers so we decided to devote an entire segment to shitting except our parents and how they're ruining the game well i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just kidding i love uh, you mom i love yeah, you dad it's they, funny listen, they listen to this episode they listen to this every week so i don't want to shit on them just yeah. kidding um well it's funny because like normally we do the big three but intro but honestly it's been three weeks you all know about trevor bauer going to the dodgers which quick give me a three word summary how do you feel um they're even i mean i didn't three think words get better. three words you got three words god damn it but that's two words. Fuck ton money. All right. Uh, Tatis. If you already signed. had one, why did you ask me to to provide it? If you already had it, like, dished up. Okay, well, I'm going to be talking about the Fernando Tatis signing extension. It has a 14-year deal. Uh, a 14-year deal for, like, 300-some, 14 million. I don't have the numbers in front of me. The interesting thing about that deal, before you keep going, is that this is like the first time that a franchise has paid a guy for what he's going to do for the franchise as opposed to what he did in the past. So, okay, I'm glad. I think we should talk a little bit more about this because... I mean, we have a lot to get to, but we can can take a few minutes on it. Yeah, yeah, let's take a few minutes because I've been seeing a lot of people, friends included, I don't want to say any names, uh, who've kind of been shitting on this deal for the sake of he hasn't done anything. Really, he was fantastic last year, shortened season. Um, and, like, why are you going to invest this long into a guy who we don't know what he's going to turn into yet? It's so iffy. Why? 
this guy's going to be the face of baseball. He's going to be the most marketable player yeah. in baseball. He already is. You're like, yeah, sure. He's in that Gator commercial. He's already in the cover of MLB The Show. He's going to be the face of baseball. And he's going to be a huge player that's going to be a part of what baseball needs in terms of a cultural change. So if you're the Padres, why wouldn't you hold on to that shit for as long as you can while you're still there? Strike the current, while it's hot. The current face of baseball is boring. Like, I love Mike Trout, but he's boring. He keeps his private life to himself. He doesn't really do much. He's he likes just the like, Eagles. That's all I he's know. He's just like this boring kid from Philadelphia. Like, you know, and and Fernando Tatis is fun. He's vibrant. He's he doesn't give a shit. He he you know, it's it's he great. He's in and, San Diego. Like, but also it's nice. gonna it's not just gonna make the Padres money for selling tickets. It's gonna make every single team around the country money. He's gonna be one of those guys like Barry Bonds where if he's in town, like you go out of your way to go see him play. So uh um, so anyway. I, I follow him on Instagram and he's getting close to a million followers, which like for baseball, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. But I was like kind of curious, like who follows him? Like, or who are some like mutual people that we have that are following? And there's like a handful of like non-baseball people that I saw were following him. Uh, like Sean Evans from Hot Ones. Like Hot Ones is like a huge show on, on like Damian Lillard follows him. Like you're starting to see slowly but surely cross-sectional non-baseball fans following this guy because of how exciting it is. Well, Damian Lillard doesn't really have anybody interesting to follow on the A's because they trade their interesting guys every uh, five years. So that's probably why he does that. And the best part is, dude, he's just down the five. He's an hour and some change away from us. So whenever we're back in person, he's, I think, arguably. That's actually a really pleasant train ride, Julio, if you ever want to I do lo- that. It's it's only three I hours. I love surf rider. Yeah, it's only three hours tra- uh, um, on the Amtrak. Yeah, the P- Pacific Surfliner. And you can drink beers while you're doing it, so you can pregame for the game. It's well, so great. When Andy, when you and I, the first few years we were dating, she was still living in San Diego with her family. Yeah. So on the weekends, I would take that train all the time. And, dude, like, yeah. obviously, I love living with her. It's great. I miss that train. The train yeah. ride's so legit. Oh, Just, yeah. like, get a book, get a, you know, put on a game and – Get a beer and enjoy. But All right, Julio, we got to keep game. Going. We're going to talk about A's news. Chris, cue the music. It is time for the former Oakland great induction ceremony. Music stop. This is going to be it. This is a big one. So I'm, I'm going to. It kills give the. Him. It kills the like atmosphere when you hear. It went you laughing in the background. It's just not as dramatic and sad. It's no laughing matter. (laughs) Christopher Adrian Davis. Oakland Athletics. Left fielder. (laughs) DH. 2016 to 2020. How many home runs? A shit ton. How many times did he hit 247? That's, that's that's what's on the stat sheet, huh? A shit ton? Three three, three years in a row. I don't have the math off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, well, look. During his first four years, first three years in Oakland, 42. Look, Julio, you've had a few beers, and you just don't feel like doing math. So yeah, I look, I'm drinking a shit some ton. tea. Uh, look, but look, yeah, 42, 43, 48 home runs. And then 19. You do, you do the math, people. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm in disbelief that this actually happened because there was a while back where we were like, they should trade him. Like, I think if anybody's going to be moved, this is the guy that 
find somebody who's going to be willing to take that contract. We talked about potential trades on this podcast, I think, when he was struggling midway this season, if I can remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I have mixed feelings about it because I, the guy we got, who we're going to talk about eventually uh, at some point in this podcast, I is obviously uh, you know in some way, shape, or form. I mean, it is an upgrade compared to his stats last year, but some way, shape, or form for consistency, you could argue he's an upgrade. But what Chris Davis meant in terms of like presence in the locker room, I mean, they built him and Marcus Simeon were the two cornerstones that built the franchise that we are now. They built, they got guys and built around those two guys. They knew that they were going to be the stars for the future. So now that both of them are gone, it is a little bit sad. And you could say what you want about Chris Davis's last two seasons, the three seasons before that, they were so crucial and important to, to what this team was and his performance in the playoffs Every single playoff game that we've had with him, yeah, he's been the only one who stepped up some of the times. Like the wild card game in 2018, he was the only one who scored a run. He's or not not scored a run, but but brought runs in. I mean, like he just he comes clutch in big moments, and that comes with the experience and comes with leadership. And we've both lost more or less two of our three leaders in this team, so that is definitely something that's a little bit concerning. But I love the guy, and I will root for him for sure, except for when he's playing us. <laughs> which is a lot because he plays with the Rangers, but yeah, it's it's out of yeah. I I mean, like a friend texted me about it who's not an Ace fan, and I just told him like I just have mixed feelings. Like it sucks, but yeah. at the same um, time, like and at that time we didn't have the guy who was replacing him yet, so it it I was like a little bit more sad. I was just like I don't know what they're gonna do. They'll probably get someone cheap who's over the hill or something. Yeah, and which kind of we was we did we'll not talk do. about that in a second. Well, not we'll last see. Season. Yeah, we'll see. Um. The thing that was a little surprising, well, one, I think this is a lesson. Stop overpaying for DHs because look what we did that for Billy Butler. Complete disaster. And Chris got his, he was the first player to get a contract extension. And then almost immediately after his contract extension is when he ran into the fencing in Pittsburgh and just kind of ruined his season in 19 and, some people think it carried over to 20. Uh, but yeah, you, you hit it right on the head, man. Uh, this He was a huge clubhouse leader. I think that's something we got. I wanted to bring up to Alex. I forgot to write down our show notes. was like, with him gone and Marcus gone, like who do you envision? And as, as somebody who's been in this locker room and talked with these guys, who could take that role? Because Matt, Ch- it, we've seen all the pictures of him and Matt Chapman having such like a, a brotherly relationship. Yeah. Um, We've seen how much important he is. How important he is. Um, I th- again, I'm super excited. I think going and having a fresh start something that's going to be really healthy for him. He loves hitting the shit out of the ball in Texas, even though it's yeah. the old stadium. Um, will will miss him. And, and the thing is, like, he's just a team away, and we'll still see him around. We'll still be chewing for him, trading for him. He was the only guy that left. Chris, who else was a part of that deal? For us or for the for who well we for the sent? Rangers we're the Rangers who else did we send uh, oh no screw it you ruined it you know what, Chris Jonah Heim there, oh. there we go okay. yeah Jonah Heim oh and Our, well, yeah. never mind you were I, pretty I, bummed about this I one though wrong. yeah dude I'm fucking pissed we had a great we had probably the best catcher combo at least in the American League potentially in in all of baseball and we just we I mean I get it we had to give them something you're not just gonna take. Um, 
that massive contract that that Chris Davis has and just deal with it. I mean, so we have to give them some kind of prospect. And if I can remember correctly, um, their catching um, situation is not great. So he's going to go in there and probably be their starter, which Jonah Himes should be a starter. He he probably shouldn't be a backup. We were very lucky to have that. But it sucks, man. I, didn't, I don't want to lose him. I, I figured we had our catching duo for the next, like, five years. So, but I mean, good for him. He's gonna, he's gonna be, he's gonna be a, a key player to their future. That's for goddamn sure. Um, so, you know, and anytime you have to lose a lefty bat in the lineup, especially a lefty catcher, that kind of sucks. Um, yeah. uh, and he didn't really have the biggest numbers last year, but I think if he's somebody who's going to be your number two catcher and he's pretty much going to be going to there and giving the days off for for murray then why wouldn't you man or murphy sorry no why why wouldn't you hold that deal down uh so yeah yeah, bummer he's still pretty young again he's gonna be across in texas we're still gonna see him pretty often uh and then we also gave up dane ecker minor leaguer um to be honest with you i don't really know too much about him so i wouldn't have any educated information sorry dane especially uh, with last year's minor league system not put together you can't really look up like box scores and stuff like that to really yeah. get a good feel but guess what chris elvis has entered the building a little you stew got there that was a little you know it's actually elvis left the building so we're just completely reversing it and just throwing that phrase out the you window. know it's 2020 elvis is kind of overrated anyways is elvis i have a question for you you ever heard the conspiracy theories that elvis is still alive no have you do you okay never mind no no go on go on i'm not mad i don't mean to dismiss you but i haven't heard i've uh i've gone down some wikipedia deep dives and um it's very interesting i i it's definitely bullshit but you know it it makes your mind wander a little bit all right we can move on Open elvis andrus elvis andrus has joined this team as well as catcher aramis uh garcia and 13.5 million dollars i Cha-ching. i can't i can't believe that I, you know what? I can believe that John Fisher's cheap ass convinced the Rangers to give him $13 million. I just, it's unbelievable. But, I mean, we didn't do this trade for the third. Well, maybe we did do this trade for $13 million. But uh, we didn't do this trade for $13 million. We did it for, for Elvis Andrus so that we could replace our once in generation shortstop, Missy Marcus, already. For another one, and uh, this one's locked up for quite a, lo- a while. Um, he signed a really fucking long term deal. Was it five years ago? Wasn't it like a yeah. nine-year deal or something like that? It was one of those like long Mike Trout, uh, like John Carlos Stanton deals. Um, and he's kind of towards the end of it. And because it was so long ago, it's relatively like affordable now, um, as opposed to like you see these guys like Trout getting paid like thirty million a year. Um, so that's you know inflation. That's just how this works, I guess. Um, so it worked out. I mean, I. Elvis has definitely slowed down a couple of years. He's still pretty solid on defense, uh, but his average just it's it's either hit or miss one year. It's so weird, Julio. I don't know if you looked at this. I think you look. We talked about his box score. One year he's hitting three hundred. Next year he's hitting two fifty. Then the next year he hits three hundred. Next year he two, hits two fifty. And then the next year he hits like two eighty. It's just like it's up down. It's up down. So there's no consistency, but at the same time there is consistency. It's weird. He's still Guess stealing he- like twenty five bases a year, which is great, but. Bob Melvin doesn't like to steal bases, so it doesn't really do much for us. It kind of makes you like you would hope. I know, yeah, historically the A's don't love, or at least during this Moneyball run, 
don't love base dealers. They don't like to give the dudes dudes green lights. I think Coco had some pretty solid years in stealing. That's because uh, he was of, just so good that you couldn't. Of course, you had to give him the green light. Never forget about Billy Burns out yeah, there stealing yeah. bases. Uh, but he's one of those guys. I, I honestly, you kind of hit it. We're like, yeah, he's kind of back and forth. Well, guess what? Twenty twenty, he hit one ninety four, which means he's hitting four hundred this year. Chris, book it. <laughs> It's happening. Cross your fingers, A's fans. Yeah. Uh, shit. I, I think this could be kind of a Chris Davis situation, but reverse. I think over more affordable. Yeah, yeah. Well, we saw like dude the first half of his year. He has an All Star two years. Uh, Texas went to the World Series back to back years during that run. Um, he was, you know, he the the least amount of steals he's had besides this past season and then 2018 where he was injured was 21 which that is fantastic batting wise i know you already talked about it but um he had there's three consecutive or two consecutive years he hit 302 297 and then he hit uh 256 when he was injured and then 275 healthy yeah so i think there's still a ton of potential in this guy um it was kind of a head scratcher just because it's like you don't in when we talked so many times about all the potential guys who could be playing short, I this is the last guy I probably imagined playing in Oakland just because yeah. of the name, because of the contract where he played. I'm like, there's no way in shit that would have happened. But now that he's here, I love it. Um, I think we pretty much this is he's going to be our one or two hitter. Um, there was actually depending a quote, on if Ramon is hot or not because he's so he's so um, streaky. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I saw a tweet earlier from Martin Gallegos. Shout out Martin Gallegos. Uh, where he was saying that Boma was talking about the battle for leadoff is between Ramon and Canna. Oh, that's is, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Um, I don't, hmm. Yeah, that that's kind of a whole thing. But I love it. I honestly, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do. Um, he's been a big clubhouse leader for Texas all those years. He's got a ton of enthusiasm. I hope he like kind of lightens up Matt Chapman at third, like he did with Adrian Breltre. And plus, like yeah. I think another underrated factor with that. Before we kind of go on to the last part of this trade, being next to one of the best third basemen of this generation, generation a good chunk of his career, he's probably learned so much for him that he can transfer that knowledge to people. And I think if anything the big benefactor is going to be Matt Chapman. I think he's only going to be able to get better because of the knowledge. I don't know how much more defensively you can, you can um, like hand knowledge over to, to Matt Chapman. If I'm being completely honest with you, like that's, yeah, that's great. But uh, I I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, not necessarily the the, the thing that came to my mind when we got this trade and I agree with you, it came out of left field. I'm like, what Elvis Andrews is even playing baseball still. Um, That was an exaggeration. Um, was leadership in the clubhouse. This is a guy who's been there. He's been to two World Series, young in his career. He like That was one thing I will say that Marcus did not have. He's a great leader, but he hasn't been there. He hasn't known how to handle like what it's like to be in those situations and how to like get your team through it and how to stay calm and get clutch hits when you need to and rally the guys around you. That's one thing that we're going to get with Elvis Andrews that I'm very excited about defensively. You could argue he could he could be more or less the same as what Marcus was. I probably not because Marcus is so good, but he could be close to that. And Matt Olson's going to bail him out like he bails out everybody on the field. 
Um, but the the leadoff thing that's very interesting to me because uh, note that I want to touch on because I really like Marcana at the num- at the four hole now. So yeah, he was it's interesting that he, they want to lead him off. I get it. Like he's got speed, so they need that up there, and he's consistent. Um, and he's you know what it is. You know what it is, Julio? That I just thought about. Remember how many walks he had last season? Yeah, I was his plate discipline. That's what it is. Average, that's what Bob Melvin's is, is seeing. Yeah, his average wasn't great last year, but yeah, he was a walking machine. He was. I think he might have. I, I think Ramon led the team in getting hit by pitches, but I think that was a pretty big <laughs> stat last year where the A's were like yeah. top three teams in terms of getting hit by pitch. Yeah, uh, there's a trend, and when we when we get a little further into talking about these guys, that I want to see if people are going to pick up on as we're talking about it, and then at the end I'll reveal reveal it. So, okay. Okay. Uh, okay. And then the last part of the trade before we move on, uh, our potential backup catcher. Uh, RMS Garcia, not much is known at the big league level about him. Uh, if you're a Giants fan, you may remember him. He was a part of the Giants farm a few years ago. He's from what I've read, he's primarily a defensive catcher. So, uh, I'd imagine Murph is not going to get a ton of like rest days. This guy's pretty much going to be the everyday catcher. Um, and it will just see. It sounds like it's going to be between him, between him and Austin Allen for that backup spot. Uh, Leo, I, I don't, I don't want to go too in, far into it because we're going to talk to Alex about this. So let's not, let's not go too yeah. in depth with it. Yeah. But next, he's back. Third time's the charm, Chris. <laughs> the return of the Jed. I. You were waiting so long to do that. You were just. Too oh easy. my god. Jed Lowry's back, man. How do you feel? I feel great. I was super excited about this. You you were kind of like, eh. But uh, he's had some injury problems, which he always does, which is the reason why he always makes his way back to the A's, because he has some injury problems, and the A's are like, come on, we'll help you. He's going to be our starting second baseman. I'm pretty confident about that. Um, What's the the line if, from, uh, from Thanos? And he's like, you went all this way, and where did it bring you to? Back to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I, th- I think that I think he'll be the starting second baseman. I love Chad Pinder, but I think without a fourth outfielder, that's kind of the role that Chad Pinder's going to have to fill, and Tony Kemp is going to have to be the the rotating infielder to give those guys rest. So um, it's going to be great to have some experience in there. Um, a uh, former Gold Glove nominee, um, you could argue that he was shafted. We would do argue, make that argument. Um, and he's got the experience, and and he's familiar with with Matt with the Mats. So I think. That's the most important thing. When Matt, when there's a double play and Matt Chapman gets a ground ball and he throws it over the second, he's going to have confidence that that Lowry's going to get it and toss it over the first in time. He did not have that with Jerks and Profar. He, he I mean, he kind of had it with with Tommy Lastella, but his arm was so meh that um, there were times that he quite he kind of missed it a little bit. So yeah, I'm 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 happy and it was cheap. So fuck it. Yeah. Um... Bold prediction, though. You said he was going to be the starting second baseman. This is a minor league deal, so we'll wait and see. But I, it's not like he has the hardest competition. No offense to Tony Kemp, who um, I think he was pretty good in the time he did play second last year. But he's not a to me. He's not an everyday second baseman. No. And then Pender, you already said it. The dude's too valuable to just be an everyday player at one position. Um, and yeah, I, you kind of said something I didn't really think about it, even though I know he's been with this team so many times in the past. Uh, he has that familiarity familiarity with the mats. Like mm-hmm. he's going to be able to know where the ball is going to be at when Chappie's going to be throwing it over to him. 
Um, and yeah, he played a total of nine games as a Met. Um, so he's fresh, maybe. I mean, they brought him in to be their everyday third baseman, which he's not a natural third baseman. He's a natural shortstop. So I think that might have been part of the transition. But, yeah, we don't even know what he's been doing the past three years because we haven't seen it. So, like, how are we to judge, you know? And the Mets are historically known for just signing somebody and then just some weird shit happens and then they just pan don't pan out. Yeah. Like that's happened a few times before, but um, yeah, it's really stoked that Bowmel said there's going to be a chance where he's going to be spending some significant time at DH as well. So mm-hmm. that'll be pretty exciting to keep an eye out for. There's, I think this is going to be like a pretty exciting, every spring training is fun to watch, but there's a lot of stuff that we're going to be keeping an eye out for. Yeah. Um, that could really affect the season. <sighs> I love Chris, this. Chris, take this one. Yeah. I love this. Take move. this one. I'm tired of talking about these trades. All right. So. We got a hugely important bullpen piece. As some of you may know, because we've tweeted about it, we're lacking some lefty uh, um, presence in the bullpen um, because certain guys have left. Uh, Joaquin Soria, one of them. So uh, the A's traded uh, Sheldon Noyce um, and Gus Forland, which I don't know much about him, to be honest with you. Uh, Sheldon Noisy, sorry. I always say his last name wrong. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, who the hell's noise? Noisy, Maybe. sorry. Uh, for Adam Kolark, uh, that's the pitcher we're talking about. And also a pretty nice little prospect outfielder, um, Cody Thomas. He's He was in the um, he's in the Dodgers minor league system, which is a stacked minor league system. And um, he's an outfielder. So, I mean, we know how, how stacked their outfielder is, as is right now, especially when they keep on buying talent and putting it in the outfield. Like, um, uh, what's the guy from Arizona? Um, uh, do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh crap, AJ Pollock. AJ Pollock in in so he hasn't really gotten his like his time to really like showcase his skills. And he's I looked at his numbers; they're really good in 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 the minor league system. He's 26 years old, so he's a little bit more mature. I think that he he has potential to be our fourth outfielder. So I really liked it for Cody Thomas, especially liked it for Adam Kolark. Um, he's gonna be a great middle reliever, lefty presence, probably like a sixth or seventh inning guy when we need it. Yeah, this is great. This is a great move. Um, and honestly, Sheldon Noisy, I don't know if he was going to get much playing time. The guy plays shortstop. Um, or not shortstop, third base. Um, and, you know, he he can hit home runs, and that's about it. So, like, I'm, I'm glad that he's going somewhere where he can develop a little bit at least. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't I, – It was yeah, it's a great trade, I think. Um uh, I think my, I think as an ACE fans, our biggest fear is this is going to be a Max Muncy 2.0 because that's the yeah. one thing that the Dodgers are so damn good at doing that where you got, you know, Justin Turner and Corey Taylor and, and Max Muncy just due to pretty much were abandoned toys on other teams, bring them over and they can do their, they've been able to become all-stars from there. So that's my biggest fear. But um, yeah, with choler- it's Oh, by the way, not to be a dick, choleric. Oh, whoops. Yeah, it's okay. We're learning. We're 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 we're. I haven't heard be... I haven't heard Glenn Kuyper say it on the broadcast yet. That's where I get my name um, familiarity. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Uh, I love the move for the sake of again. We talked about it earlier. Uh, lefty out of the pen. This is going to be like a real interesting bullpen. We'll talk about later more into detail. But like, 
there's just a ton of breaking speeds on everybody. You have Kalerik's yep. not a big heat guy, but then you're going to have somebody, another lefty like Jake Diekman, who's going to be hitting in the high 90s. It's going to be really fantastic if these things really roll well together, where this pen might even be better than it was last year. Uh, other thing I just want to bring up, two other things before we move on again. He is not a free agent until 2025. Really cool. If Kolarik is it? Turns up well. Yeah, he's going to be a free agent in 2025. So I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, uh, and he's 31. So or 32 now. I'm sorry. Um, Damn. And so yeah, this could be a good deal for the A's in the future, especially with if Deakman turns out to pitching like he did last year. Yeah. Um, and then the last but not certainly uh, World Series experience, man. Mm. He helped win a yeah with totally. the Dodgers last year. He only pitched one game, and it wasn't great. Uh, but besides the point, I think just having that playoff experience and being able to say that, yeah, I won a ring is pretty significant. And, uh, yeah, fantastic move. But we're Speaking of Dodgers, Julio, a former, former Dodger. Dodger. Former Dodger, former Giant, the pride of Downey, California, Mr. Sergio Romo. Is so you're saying Taco Bell? Wait, you're saying Taco Bell is not the – Pride of Downey, California. I would Shit. disagree. Okay. Nah. Yeah, you're, you're right. I'm sorry. I love Taco <laughs> Bell. You know that. Yeah. Sergio Roma, man. Yeah. I love it. I, it, I, it. There's honestly, there's one move I'm whatever about, but as a whole, I love all these moves. Folks, this is why Julio was saying that guys like him and the guy that we're going to talk about next and then the guy we're going to talk about two people after that is the reason why we think that this year our bullpen is going to be better than last year and we had the best bullpen in baseball last year um yes sergio romo i mean i I don't even know what else to say yeah so um i think one fantastic thing about this bullpen for this last three-year run four-year run has been getting those diamonds in the rough Mm -hmm. getting kind of honing their skills down and turning them to complete studs um you know, Liam Hendricks was DFA'd and we turned yeah. into look at this huge contract he just got. Blake Trinan was was whatever, then he got a sinker ball down in Oakland and he got a big contract out of the Dodgers. Jake Diekman looks looked like a completely different pitcher last year than he did in twenty nineteen. Sean Doolittle um, was a first baseman. Sean Doolittle's a first baseman, but like Sergio Romo, if he can still get a hold of that slider, which is like his signature pitch, um, I think he's gonna be a fantastic shape. He had a four ERA last year in Minnesota, which was um, not the best, but also Minnesota has turned into a huge hitter's park as of late. But It's also 60 uh, games. It's also 60 games. Yeah. But as a career, he has a less than three ERA, man. And we were, talking about guy... this, we were talking about this last night, Julio. Like, the season before that, he was hit, was around three. The season before that was around three ERA. The season before that, like, he only had, like, really one bad year, and it was the year of 60 games. Yeah, it's um, there's a ton. I'm really excited for him. Um, I think he's going to bring a lot of veteran like leadership or not. I don't know if leadership, but the dude's been around for so long now. I think he has a ton of knowledge. He's going to pass around to the rest of the team. Um, of course, he is a part of the Giants' three championship runs. Uh, he was an All Star. Uh, he was the closer for, for all three of those championship runs. Oh wait, no, not 2010. No, Brian Wilson. Yeah, Brian Wilson was 10, then Romo was 12 and 14. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, he's closed out World Series games, or World Series clinching 
shit. Yeah. So like the guy's he's been around. So yeah, I love the move. And of course, anytime we can get another Mutskin in Oakland, I'm totally down <laughs> here. He already it, confirmed that he's going to be keeping his walk-up song. It it, uh, it, uh, it goes back to the experience, man. Like all these guys, <laughs> all these moves that, you, you know what? Now that I really think about it, maybe this is what Billy Bean was trying to do. He was tired of losing in the divisional round. He's like, dude, we got to get some fucking experience in this clubhouse to get some leaders to get us through these these games or these series because it's not cutting it right now. These these kids are crumbling under the pressure. So let's get some let's get some guys to carry some of that weight. It's great. It's fucking. Great. And he did confirm. Oh, it's a one year two point two two point two super cheap, super cheap deal. Um, and he did confirm he will be still walking out to El Machon. Nice. At the Coliseum, he is excited for it because, as per quote, uh, the Coliseum speakers are bumping. So, so let can let me let me let me ask you this, Hula. Do you think why do you think he was able to sign a cheap deal like that? Do you think that it's? I think it's one of one of two things, um, and it might be both at the same time. Um, the CBA is up next season, so he just wants to get his money, and he doesn't care where he doesn't want to negotiate. Or do you think that he just wants to be back in California and he's tired of living in Minnesota? So he did. He took whatever deal he could get because he should be worth like six million dollars, easily. Um, I don't know. At his okay, well, at his age, he's thirty-eight. He's going to be turning thirty-eight in a next week. It looks like so. Happy early birthday, Sergio! Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think he's probably collected a good chunk of change over his career. Yeah. I think at this point, I think he probably nailed it, which was like, I think he wants to be able to be close to home, be back in California. And also um, when like go for another title and shit. Yeah. But yeah. a potential, I don't know if we're going to be a full on the title contender, but I think we're going to have a pretty good shot out of the AL right now. Yeah. Um, just the way this built, this team is built out, but for his age to be able to still pitching, fantastic move. Love it. Um, really excited to see what he's going to be doing. All right. A couple more guys. Coming back, we got uh, come back to the Bay or come back to Oakland specifically. Uh, the A's re-signed Yusmer Petit to a one-year, two-point-five million deal, and then they also re-signed Mike Fires, one-year, three-point-five million-dollar deal. Nothing we can really say about it. We know what they do; they're workhorses. They eat up innings. Yeah, I, I when when we lost Soria, I was worried that Petit was going to go too. So I'm glad to see him back. And but I will, I do want to say one thing about the Fires signing. I think that's a sign that. AJ Puck is going to go to the bullpen this year. Um, I don't think they would sign him knowing that that he's going to be a starter. So we've been kind of signaling towards this for the past year. Really, we've been talking about it after um, Mason came on and 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 mentioned it. I I think that AJ Puck's future is in the bullpen. I I just think that's where it's at. This was look. Don't get me wrong. I love Mike Fires personally. Um, yeah. I think he's he's a great leader for that rotation. But the one thing I would have, I don't know what you could have done with that budget is I still wanted, I still would have loved to seen a like playoff dog in that rotation at like the five spot. I know we were lightweight joking about like John Lester and I don't think that was going to happen. That reunion was going to happen, but somebody in that caliber who, yeah, they don't have it anymore, but they have that experience. They've been there before um, that could really push the rotation and just teach that kind of experience. The bullpen's great with that, but I think there's that's probably the biggest question mark that I have. Um, obviously, I think Mike loves being here and fans love him, but that's the one thing I I think there could have been a better upgrade for. But I'm gonna play yeah. optimist on this one. Um, 
I think, but first off, I think that we all saw the signs that wasn't going to happen when they wouldn't even call Marcus when they Marcus had to call them. So I think that was pretty obvious. Um, but um, I, I will say, uh, I optimistically, um, how do we know that Jesus Lazardo can't be that dog? How do we know that he's not going to take? We know he has the potential. We've seen it. How we he could take that next step up this season and be that guy for us. Um, Bassett is Mr. Reliable. Montas is, I mean, he's either a fucking lights out or he's a loose cannon, uh, but he's, you know, but I think Lazardo could be that guy. Anyway, well, you can move on. Uh, I'm just going to throw a couple names out to you out of curiosity. Okay. Or I'm going to say this, uh, Mike Fires or X player. Okay. Just, okay. I'm just going to do two for you. Mike Fires. I'll do three. Mike five, four. Mike oh, Fires or Rick Pacella. Mike Fires. Mike Fires or Annabelle Sanchez. Oof. Annabelle Sanchez. Mike Fires or Gio Gonzalez. Mike Fires. Mike Fires or Cole Hamels. Cole Hamels is like 55. 37. <laughs> Close enough. Oh, man. Cole Hamels, just because of he, – he still has got it, man. I don't know what I don't know what it is, but he's got it. Oh, shit. I didn't realize – Annabelle Sanchez is more or less on Mike Fires. He's reliable, and he's consistently above average. And um – and World Series experience too. Yeah, uh, Mike Fires is. You know, you were just dogging on Cole Hamels, right? He's one year older than Mike Fires. <laughs> so there you go. All right, all right. The bullpen. We're still going. Uh, Ooh, we're not going to go too deep about it. But uh, let's just say we were very shocked. Um, Trevor Rosenthal I, I signs would... a. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal signs a one-year deal to come to Oakland for $11 million. Uh, it is a deferred contract, so of course. Uh, but does does uh, does John Fisher try to negotiate any other types of contracts? Yeah. Uh, damn. It's exactly it's awesome. what, look. It's exactly what he wanted, which I respect. Um, I, you know, when I first saw, when you first told me it was deferred, the first thing that came to mind was like, how old is he? Is he like 37? Cause like, that makes sense. Like you're going up, you, th- you know, you're going to retire in a couple years. So you just want that like regular salary for the next 11 years to, uh, kind of cover yourself and just chill during retirement. So for those of you who don't know, deferred means that, well, is it 1 million a year he's going to get paid for 11 years or is it, is it, is no, it- no, it's, uh, I think he's going to be getting paid like five mil in 2023. So what my okay. conspiracy theory, open your third eye. I'm already thinking about it. What's probably going to happen is by that point, I think there's a possibility that our big guys are going to be gone. So mm-hmm. like Chappie Olson will probably be gone. And the only big money you'll be owed at that time is going to be for Trevor. Trevor Rose Paul to be on the team. So total, he's getting paid $11 million listeners, but it's over time. Um, yeah, because our owner's cheap and he doesn't want to pay eleven million dollars right now. Um, um, I would, yeah, I was shocked, especially like 
considering we've been cheap all season. But then I found out the deferred contract, and I was like, okay, that makes sense. This is fucking yeah. awesome. I don't know if it's awesome necessarily – it's not an upgrade to um, – to our old closer, Liam. but it's damn near as close as you can name, get. Man. Give huh? him some respect. You're like our old closer. I'm like Liam. Oh, okay, whatever. Anyway, Liam <laughs> Hendricks. Sorry, um, but it's damn near as close as you can get, and we're talking like one A, one B. So I'm fucking happy. Um, uh, he he pitched in 23 games last year, and he had a negative. He had a, a negative two. What the fuck? Uh, a 1.9 ERA. I don't think ERA. that's possible. I don't think you never runs get taken away from you. Uh, yeah, he had a 1.9 ERA. Uh, again, uh, World Series experience with the Cardinals in 2012. Yeah. Didn't win, but hey, he. Or I'm sorry, 2013. Um, he 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 was there, so great to have. He he was there. We're not going to go into too much detail because we're going to talk about it with Alex Coffee. So, yeah, uh, but it's pretty fucking tight. And then uh, leave this one in. Man, you're talking you, about our new DH. You lose one DH and you gain another. Mitch Moreland. Uh for pretty cheap. Two point five two point two five million dollars. Um like I was saying earlier, you could argue this is an upgrade compared to the season that last two seasons that um Chris Davis has had. The guy is consistently hitting twenty plus home runs. Um he kind of dances around two fifty. Some days, years he'll hit like two seventy. Some years he'll hit like he'll hit two fifty. It's just kind of all over the place. But you know what you get with him. Um, he's won a World Series again, more experience. Um, so I'm happy with this. Uh, if Chris Davis has another shit year, it's one hundred percent an upgrade. So then I'm happy with that. Um, we needed a DH. We solved the problem. It's only solving it for one year, unfortunately. But like you said earlier, Julio, don't overpay for DHs. We've made that mistake in the past. Yeah. We're not going to do it again. Uh, if you remember him, he spent the first half of last season in Boston where he was on a tear. He had eight home runs. He hit 328 in 22 games. Uh, he went to the Padres, and he kind of fell off a little bit. Uh, he ended up finishing he, in 20 games. He hit 203, two home runs. Don't really know how that happened, but um, he was really great. But, again, you hit it. One of the big points, World Series experience. And uh, we got a cool nickname, uh, Mitchie Two Bags. So excited for that! And if you okay. didn't catch, if you didn't catch it, folks, the ongoing theme of all these guys that a lot of these guys talked about World Series. A lot of these dudes have been in the World Series. If they haven't won a World Series, they've been there. They've been long experience. I think we can both agree this is something this team has desperately needed for the last few years. It's Dude, just guys who've been there. It's like that's straight up what it's got to be. Is Billy's just fucking tired of it? You everybody knows. Everybody's seen Moneyball. Everybody knows how how angry he is all the time and how frustrated he is and how much this eats him that he hasn't won. And to be someone who, with his like legacy in the game of baseball, but to never win a World Series, like he did, you don't want him to be a a, a Barry Bonds. You know, you don't want him to be a. a off the top of my head, I'm I'm just slacking, but. He he wants to win one, so I think he noticed that experience was the issue. But we'll yep. see, we'll see. I mean, yeah, um, we'll see. On, I, I think we're both in the same boat. Uh, flying colors, man! I love all these deals; they're really good. Yeah, uh, I went from really being super like bummed deals. out and depressed about our team to like, oh, okay, all right, cool, we're back in it. I I think the West is still going to be kind of a toss up and um I don't know man the Astros I, I still got worse they still did get worse yeah 
at, at, at again at the end of the day i don't know how you can pick against this team to win the west because yeah. of just this new bullpen depth the mats are back and healthier um i i feel like ramon's gonna play on a play this season with a huge chip on his shoulder which we did have i have a i have a mean to text you about this and i keep forgetting uh sorry mom and dad how the fuck was he not in the top 100 players i dude i don't i do not get how like put him like 98 90 something the fact that he wasn't on that list was like i was shocked it was like like, okay he's gotta be up there but it was like the moment that we lost to the astros in the divisional round like people were just like oh same old days whatever they're they they don't have it and it's just like get the fuck out of here bro like we still i don't know yeah i agree it's total bullshit um still yeah i have a lot i have a lot of issues with that list though so not just a's wise so i don't even i don't want to get into it um, yeah. I would argue that we, I, I would argue that we could be better actually. Now that I really think about it, because we lost chap, we lost our best player for half the season last year, and yeah. and we and we won the uh, American League West handsomely, and we got the number two seed pretty easily as well. So with a rotation that was pretty average, up and down, yeah, it, super inconsistent. And pretty average when they were there. So. Are we talking ourselves into this? Are we talking ourselves into being World Series contenders again? I think we are. <sighs> I think we are. Tired. No, <laughs> not yet. If we get a healthy um, Chappie and Ole all season, like the sky's the limit with the rotation. The sky is the limit. Ugh, just when I thought I was done, I fucking do this again. Um, but this is, okay, not a, before... this is not a bit that we plan, ladies and gentlemen. This no, is totally, this is just this like just happened yeah, right I, now. It's like I'm fucking. I mean, we don't plan any of that Kool-Aid again. We, we don't plan too many of our bits. You guys can probably tell when they are, but uh, this one was 100% not planned. Last couple things. Uh, we talked about Chappie. Was out for that last half of the season. His replacement, Jake Lamb. He is now in Atlanta. Uh, we have, didn't really have a need for him anymore. Best of luck there. Uh, last two moves. With all these great moves the A's have made, they had to clear up some roster spots. Uh, Dustin Fowler, who was a part of the Sunny Gray trade, which we can pretty much say we lost that trade. It was a waste um, now, yeah. Yeah, James Caprillion, we'll see. Uh, he hasn't really spent too much time in the majors, but Dustin Fowler really never lived up to what we thought he was going to be. He was shipped out to the Pirates for some cash. So, of course, uh, John Fish is going to take that deal because it's cash. So. Yeah, uh, and Jorge Mateo's chilling it, chilling down in San Diego. So literally every single piece from that trade's gone. Yeah, so who knows? Maybe Dustin Fowler, this might be the place for him to kind of grow. They're, the Pirates have no promise. They're really much trying to uh, – to me, I think the Pirates are just a Ponzi scheme and there's some bigger things and why they're not spending. But uh, cool, best of luck. And then the pride of Antioch, California, uh, Liberty High School graduate. He's from Paul Brentwood. Blackburn. I thought he's from Antioch, but went to Brown. I'll, like, I'll look at a second. Anyways, Paul, Paul Blackburn, Blackburn. He's very close and dear to our heart because he's from where we're from. If not Brentwood, I mean, if not Antioch, yeah, Brentwood. Brentwood's close enough. People know he's from Antioch, oh, but he okay. went to he went to Heritage. Go on. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it sucks, but there's just no room for him, man. There's just no fucking room for him. Our rotation is so deep. Like I just don't, especially when they're bringing fires back. Like there is just no room for him and i love the guy and i was when he had his like it was like back in 2000 what was it 2018 or 17 yeah yeah when he had he like had like three great starts in a row i'm like fuck yeah let's go yachttown's finest baby not too far it was great but you know it's just 
I think it is what it is. It, he wasn't a top prospect for a reason and starting to show a little bit, but, you know, wish I him, think gr- he's I wish him luck. Got, I'd love to have him on this pod one time. Uh, I think he's going to stay in, in the organization. I, uh, You don't I think anyone picks him up? I don't think so. Um, I, I, I think that's probably the best, but I love to keep him in the organization because when he has done those spot starts here and there where, you know, when Frankie had some injuries or or – um, like fires at an injury. Like he's done decent when you need him up there for a start or two, which yeah. I think he'll be pretty good in that role. But yeah, fingers crossed. Hopefully he can stay in the org. <sighs> All right. Out of breath, man. Yeah. It's time to take a break. Yeah. And, so let's, uh, uh we're, we're going to, be... Alex Coffey's going to come up and join us next time. Um, fun little surprise. Uh, and we're going to talk to her about like spring training, covering the team about that. And, uh, like Julio said earlier, um, some bullpen questions, some roles that we, what can we expect? And, uh, and then some fun little East coast questions. So, uh, stick around and we'll be right back. All right. So we're recording this on Friday, February 26th at two ten PM, five ten Eastern time. Um, Alex coffee is here with us. Uh, Beat writer for the Athletic, uh, she covers the A's. Go check her stuff out. Her Twitter handle is by Alex Coffee. Um, so Alex, first off, uh, thank you so much for joining us, and you're giving us the full East Coast New York experience right now, coming to us live <laughs> from a train um, on your way into the city. Yeah. Is that what's going on? Yes, on my way into the city. Um, I would call you guys from the subway, but the service is in and out and stuff. The Wi-Fi is in and out. I feel like that would really be the authentic, like, so you can get the, you know, full experience of as long as, being. As long as you can get a pizza rat in there with you on the subway, I think that would be, like, the prime all-New York experience. <laughs> was, that a, was that a Ninja Turtles reference that you just threw yeah. out there? The pizza rat. You didn't hear about that when there is no. legit, like... It was like a few years ago where it went viral where like there was this gigantic rat that was just carrying this like huge slice of pizza through New York. I, I, I don't know <laughs> if Alex saw it any more about it than I do. It was a, it was pretty silly. I didn't see it, but now I feel like I should have. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for joining us. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's so yeah, funny. she's masked yeah. up and everything. This is great. Both huge fans of your work. Legit. I'll I yeah. read your stuff on The Athletic like before I go to bed just to kind of get caught up on the whatever days and you. So super <laughs> excited to have you here. Um, but We yeah, told so the listeners are... that you canceled on us last night to write a piece. So I was like looking on Twitter all morning, like waiting for your piece to come out so I could read it. And then boom, <laughs> dropped it on us. Yeah, yeah. That one was funny because I was trying to talk to um, Yasmani Grandal for a couple of days and um, apparently he's, I picked like the hardest guy to pin down, like harder than the president or something. <laughs> yeah. Like he just kept like, the PR guy kept like calling me and he was like, yes, it's about to call you. Yes, it's about to call you. And then, um, and then I wouldn't hear from him and it went like three days in a row. And then finally, when we were about to talk, he was like, he finally called me. Um, so I had to write that night, but, um, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> Yasmani Grandal. Okay. I, I didn't. Either. I didn't think that he was like. I would not imagine him to be a tough person to get a hold of. Like <laughs> to have like five handlers to go through. I. I don't know. He's right. not on Apparently, the list. this is like a well-known thing in the industry that he's like media. <laughs> Interesting. Um, shy. I don't know if media shy is the right way to. Because I went. I went to like multiple people. Um, like that knew his agent and that you know 
like not just like team PR people, yeah. but um, everyone was like, "Good luck, <laughs> him. and I was like, "Okay, cool, thanks, but, guys." Um, yeah. But I'm always of the mindset that you can't, you know, why not ask? Like the worst they can say is no. That's like uh, that's exactly how we handled trying to get you on this podcast because we were just like, you know what, we might as well just like hit up her DMs and see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, go Chris, go ahead and start it up, man. You got the first question. Um, it really interesting time for not just the organization but for baseball. Chris has some pretty cool stuff you want to talk about. Yeah, I, I think my first like big question is I think like all of, all of our, like the fan listeners kind of want to know this because it's so weird. So this is kind of like the first spring training that you guys are like covering that's like remotely. You know, like there's only so much access. I saw even a video that like I think John Boy put together last uh this past week of like um right like uh beat writers like shooting like practice like through a fence and stuff like that or like just really far out just not very very good uh uh videos and stuff like that but that's the closest they can get so what's the like the biggest difference that you've had to handle covering spring training remotely in a pandemic like how do you go about it does it make it tougher does it make it easier yeah Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's like a very unique challenge. Um, and to be honest, I only had uh, three weeks of normal spring training um, last year yeah. when I had first just started. I started covering the A's in like November of 2019. Yeah. And then I went to spring training and um, had like normal access for three weeks. And then all of a sudden the pandemic happened. And then it was spring training, you know, 2.0 or whatever. And, um, so I don't have like a ton of perspective to offer. It wasn't like I was super used to like normal access or things like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's been, you don't have the benefit of like being in a clubhouse and like going up to guys and, you know, just asking them questions more casually. Everything is very like formal. You have to set up a zoom to do everything. Um, so that's one difference. Um, I'm I sure you've like heard ideas. like stories from your dad and stuff like that too, though, that kind of are good references in terms of comparison at least. Yeah, he was more of like um, an enterprise guy. So he did, um, you know, kind of like feature story type things. Oh, okay. He did a little bit of beat, beat writing at the beginning of his career. But um, uh, it was so different back then that like <laughs> we talked more about like the feature writing um, stuff than, than the beat stuff. But I've talked to like a bunch of my colleagues about it. Yeah. And, you know, they're all complaining and um <laughs> So, you know, it sucks. Like the access isn't great. And it, it kind of varies team for team. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I know like some teams are trying to get creative with like one-on-ones and stuff like that. Um, so, so it kind of varies too, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a challenge. Like I find myself just listening really carefully on the Zooms and trying to hear like if they mention something interesting and then trying to like track down um you know, like a supplemental interview um, to kind of boost the story and like make it a little bit more, um, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but like substantive, I guess. Um, like a good example, last year we talked to Frankie Montas and he mentioned that he like threw, um, I think it was like he was throwing a bullpen to a, a high schooler and he was like, yeah, I hit a hundred miles an hour. Um, like and this kid was in high school so i tried to like track down the kid so that's like the kind of stuff that i would nice. do right now to try to like make it um a little bit different so to speak yeah. um, but it's definitely challenging it's like a lot more work than it you know 
would normally be. So you, you've you only covered this team during a pandemic. I just realized that. That's right, because <laughs> you came on during November. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this is just, yeah. this is so just business as normal meetings, for you. Like, this is just business as normal. Yeah, so the only normal-ish stuff I had was winter meetings um, in December of 2019, and then those few weeks of spring training, um, and that was it. Did you so, get to go to the winter meetings? Yeah. Were you there at, like, the – Yeah, I did, in San Diego. Oh, yeah, nice. yeah. Sunny San Diego. Yeah. So it's funny because um, uh, Chris and I both work in off- normally office environments, having to work remote. And yeah. as I've noticed, as we've brought on new people for my team specifically, I'm like I have no idea what you actually look like in person, even though I've seen you do calls. As far as I know, yeah. you can be like six yeah. five. So I, I, yeah. I can only imagine like when you finally see someone like a lot of these pictures, like seeing AJ Puck in person when he's like a tower of a man like it's gonna be pretty funny to have that experience yeah yeah definitely um i got a little bit of dose like i said i was there for like a couple weeks so i know the new guys i don't know what they height wise you know i don't know what we're dealing with all right um, give us an update on what mitch moreland's height is next time you see (laughs) yeah 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 i will yeah (laughs) yeah and we'll report it i will so yeah yeah breaking yeah breaking mitch moreland 610 (laughs) Uh, so you know it's been a pretty quiet off season for most of the point for the ace uh nothing really major was happening throughout november and december then all of a sudden you know marcus leaves and that's around the same day or two tommy's gone but then um over the last three weeks it kind of exploded with uh the a's going to get picking up trevor rosenthal um getting sergio romo mitch moreland just a lot of the moves were going on so as a journalist, how has it been like for you where you were doing a lot of like great pieces throughout that time? We're just kind of getting a little more deeper into like uh, what the players have been up to. But then all of a sudden, last two, three weeks, just an avalanche of information coming at you. Like, how's that been for you having to cover that? Hey, um, you know, you would love for them to spread out the spread the wealth a little bit over the course of the off season, But, you know our best interest isn't their concern so it doesn't really matter what we want hey um, billy yeah, could you was, take like a week break just you know just just do me a solid yeah, yeah i know i know <laughs> um but yeah it was tough because like you're trying to be creative during the off season and come up with ideas and stuff and there's nothing to write about blah 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 and then you know the le- like last possible minute or whatever like last possible week they just decide to cram everything in and and i know that you know that was because they freed up that money in the Andrews um, for Davis deal, at least for this year. Um, so that gave them like a little bit of capital to work with. And that's why we started seeing all these like free agent signings and stuff like that. Like I get it, but it's also like, you know, overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. Like how, how does that go? Are you like hanging out with your friends on like a Saturday night and you get a text from your source? You're like, Oh crap. I have to write a tweet real quick. Like it's. Luckily, um, let's see. It hasn't been there has been like a little bit of that. I was with my boyfriend on Valentine's Day and we were at dinner and like we like we're both in journalism so we like to um just like not um have our phones. You know, we're like pretty good at like not having our phones with us and stuff. Yeah. And of course that was when I got like a text from my source saying that like Petit had signed up for agent <laughs> contract and I'd been like on him for a week. I was like, Where's it at? Where's it at? Like super diligent and then like the thirty minute site on my phone is when that breaks. <laughs> Um, but you know what? Sometimes that's just like how it is. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You 
I was I telling... rather like have my sanity than like you know be first. Totally. So. Uh, if, if I had to make a pitch for a story for like next off season, uh, I love to see if we can get like <laughs> you make have a. Story ideas? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's where just my imaginaries imaginations go with me. I'd love to see like a sitcom buddy comedy between the house of uh, Jesus Lazardo and AJ Puck living together. Where it's oh just God, then learning to pitch together, playing like Call of Duty, and then like eating his Lizardo's mom's food. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I just like I just yeah. want to be a fly in the wall there. That, like that'd be a, such. I've a cool been thing. thinking about it. I've been toying with that idea today because I I know his I talked to his parents earlier, so I have some kind of relationship with them already. Um, so and he said his mom, his mom Monica was the one that was making, like I don't know. I love the concept of like a guy from Iowa that has never eaten this kind of food before Venezuelan food <laughs> and all of a sudden he like loves to rape us I think that that's just like it's like the beauty of I think it like encapsulates like the from a point like the be of the sport it's such an international sport um you know so I would love yeah. to be a fly I'm on that wall it. for sure I would love to be a fly yeah. on that wall what like games. what board games do they play together yeah uh, like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh what's their go-to series they're watching together or something silly yeah, it's a true bromance. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So we want to talk about catchers because obviously Jonah Heim was a part of that Texas trade for Andrus. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I mean, we even like read like a bunch of like MLB.com stuff saying like um, potentially that's like, you know, the best catcher duo in, in all of Major League Baseball. And then they use him as part of the deal to ship him out uh, to Texas. And you're just kind of like, oh, shit. Like we thought we had our catching duo for the next like five years. Like, what are we going to do now? So. I guess like the main question is like who, what what's the backup catcher situation looking like uh, going into next season? Is Austin Allen kind of a shoe in now, or is there going to be a position battle going on in spring training? Um, yeah, I think it's still going to be a, a position battle for sure. I mean, with who? I didn't really know much about Aramis Garcia. Um, Aramis Garcia, who they got back in that Andrews, yeah. um, Chris Davis. He was part of the package that came with Andrews. And from what I can tell, just talking to people around the industry, like, you know, there's, there's speculation that he might not even be like a backup catcher for a while. Like, obviously we don't know Sean Murphy isn't going anywhere, but he is kind of prone to fluke injuries. So Mm -hmm. there's a chance that like um, either him or Alan could get more playing time, um, you know, at some point, but, um, but yeah, I, I just wrote a story up this morning about Aramis and how he like learned how to do, you know, he was drafted, um, as like a hit first guy kind of pegged as a hit first guy early in his career. And he's really gone after improving his defense and it's, he's improved it to the point where, you know, Melvin, who's a catcher um, has been super impressed with his pitch framing that like defense is what sticks out, like catches his eye and stuff yeah. less so than his bat. Um, you know, which I think speak, says a lot about his work ethic, um, but also about where he's come as a catcher. So so he's one to keep an eye on, definitely. And I mean, um, he was drafted in the Giants organization. You know, Buster Posey was a mentor of his. Like for a oh, while, he was seen as the guy that was gonna like. He was seen as the guy that was gonna like replace Buster at some point. Um, and then when we talked to David Forrest a couple of weeks ago after that trade, David told us that um, that if Aramis had hadn't gotten hurt last season, that he probably would have been the Rangers' starting catcher last year. So okay. this guy is like, he's not, you know, he's not super well known, I think due to his like injury history recently, um, but he's not, you know, a scrub, like he's, 
he's a legit catcher and he's going to, I think, I personally think he's the front runner to be the backup, um, you know, cause he's got some power in his back. He hasn't been as consistent at the plate as we would have liked, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, he's definitely got the edge with the glove over Allen. And um, if he can show some consistent power, I think he'll earn that job. I mean, couldn't you argue that defense for a backup catcher is more important anyway? I mean, you know, if he's a backup catcher, he's not exactly like knocking it out of the park, 30 home runs a season in theory. Yeah, 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 you could. Um, so it might not even like matter, you know, what he does Yeah. Um, offensively, but you know, if we're just looking at straight defense, he definitely has the has the edge over Allen. I would say. Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely still a battle. And like you know, like I said, Murphy is kind of prone. Like the latest one is the collapsed lung. Um, so yeah. he's, he's kind of prone to like these weird injuries. Um, I wonder what he does in his free time that, that makes him get again. these injuries. Like, it's just so, that's such a random one to just be like, oh yeah, I had a collapse lung. Yeah, it, it sounds like it's still being looked into, right, Alex? Uh, he has no idea why it happened. He said it happened in his sleep. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's scary stuff and, you know, no one really knows what caused it. So, um, yeah. So yeah, I don't think we're really going to get any answers on that one. Keeping but... that one tight, tight under wraps, close to the chest for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's funny. So when we originally uh, talked to you, I think we've been kind of going back and forth like a week or two now, of getting you on the show. One of the big things we wanted to talk about, like, hey, what's going on with the bullpen? And then, <laughs> of course, in this fashion, we have a comp- the bullpen's pretty much set at this point. Brad and Rosenthal, Ramos, um, but. Kind of. It's funny. We we were saying like if we would have if we would have had you on a week ago, these bullpen questions would have been like completely different because there were so many like there's we just didn't know where it was going to go. But now that like they've signed these people, it's like a dramatically different series of questions. Yeah. So sorry guys, it froze. It froze for a second. What was the question? <laughs> oh, oh we we, I was. We, yeah. Yeah. yeah we Chris was just okay, going. Okay, uh, okay. More, no more so now that you know Trevor Rosenthal is there, Sergio Romo is in the bullpen now. We had we got the trade for. Uh, Adam Kolarik, what do you envision what this bullpen will be? Is it pretty much going to be a shoe in you think of Rosenthal becoming the closer all off season? There was a lot of talk about Jake Diekman really grasping onto that after like a fantastic 2020 season, or do you see it still be in competition? And then with that in mind, what's the setup role going to look like? Uh, it sounds last year was pretty flexible. It was either like Soria or Petit. But now that Soria's gone, Petit's back. Now we have Romo there. Like, what do you see is really going to be meshing with that? Um, I think the roles are, are still fluid, and that's something that they're going to kind of figure out over the course of spring training as we start getting into games and stuff. They've been really hesitant to, like, commit to any sort of, like, you know, this is going to be the setup guys. This is going to be the, you know, later inning. You know, you would presume that the guys that they picked up in free agency, the veteran guys, are the guys that are going to be in later innings. But as far as who goes where, we don't really know yet. Um, but I would say that Rosenthal is definitely going to be the closer. Um, I know for a fact that, you know, he was pursued by a couple of different teams. And part of what drew him to the A's was like, you know, this this notion that he would be the clo- their closer. Yeah. Like closing was really important to him. I think he sees this as um, – Kind of, I don't want to say a redemption year because he had obviously had a great season um, last year, but um, but I do think that he's looking for like a longer term deal after this year, and that he sees this year in the Coliseum, you know, where he pitches really well as like 
an opportunity to impress in a specific role. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I would say Rosenthal, um, Rosenthal would, is definitely the closer. That's my opinion. More, more of the just New York City experience. This is great. I know. I know. No, yeah. I'm, I'm not sarcastic. I'm, this is actually legitimately great no. content. Um, <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, I mean, they're kind of paying him like a closer, at least total number wise. So I would be shocked if he's not. Um, all right. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're paying him. Yeah. Yeah. 11 mil, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, over like eight years or something like that, but whatever, you know, whatever. Floats a ridiculous. The, yeah. The deferred payments is like, yeah, like a little, we don't have, we, we don't have to of, get into like, it. We, we, me and Julio, yeah. um, shit on him regularly on this podcast. So as fans of the team it's hard not to uh, well, we were kind of joking yeah. um in the previous segment how it's like because i think it's something like three mil three mil next year and then five mil 2023 i'm like there's a chance that like seeing how things can pan, he's gonna be like the highest played player on the a's in 2023 and not even yeah. be on the roster <laughs> yeah yeah i know it's uh it's something but um i guess whatever they have to do to like get their closer you know i think he's the best possible replacement they could have had for Hendricks. um that was on the free agent market you know so uh cool so who do you think the fourth outfielder is going to be now that greg grossman or robbie grossman's gone um like i said i don't really we don't really have any leads on that one um chaya i like mispronounce his name the rule of five pick um um I think Kai, Kai Tom, Kai Tom, Kai Tom. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he's been dealing with some injury uh, injury issues, so they haven't gotten a good look at him in camp yet. Um, you know, they have a couple of different. They've got like a lot of candidates to choose from. I just I don't really have a sense of where they're going to go with that. So I'm gonna. What do you think? Of, what do you think of Cody answer. Thomas? I mean, everything I've read is super promising. It's actually kind of funny because he's. Um, this is kind of like a random aside, but he was a quarterback at Oklahoma um, as well. You know, obviously Kyler. Uh, um, like Sooners, Oklahoma? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. So there's <laughs> nice. like a random. PTSD for us. I know. I know. I was like, should I not do this? <laughs> like, it's going to be like a point of contention. Like Kyler Murray. Um, yeah. So apparently they like communicated at some point about like, you know, knowing which sport is right for you. Or uh, I saw some kind of article about that, like floating around um but that was i just thought that was like a funny coincidence but um yeah but yeah obviously they wouldn't have acquired him if they didn't see something in him so he's definitely in the mix too um but um but yeah it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the fourth outfielders but um i'm still waiting to see what happens like a lot of these things i think will be decided once we start seeing people in games and like get a better yeah. sense of what they're thinking then um but but yeah, definitely another um, as far as like position player battles go. Definitely another one to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, it, there's, it's going to be interesting. There's some pretty, I think there's some pretty solid guys from what I've read that are in the org that's there. But also there's some free agents available. <laughs> uh, this is just me putting my pitch out there. If anybody from the org is listening, there's somebody that means a lot to me who's probably my favorite Oakland A ever, and uh, Mister Cespedes. That's a free agent. He's so, having uh, a workout. Yeah, I mean, he's working out in Florida on March um, 2nd, I think. Um, I'm trying to figure out. He keeps changing. 
changing agents. So I'm trying to like figure out if the A's are going to that. And it's been like a ridiculously hard thing to figure out because like he's just, he goes through agents. Like I go through clothes, like just like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. There was like a, there was a thing on surprise me that he's like that. It, that does not surprise me at all. There was a, a thing on Twitter where people were trying to figure out like, where is he? Like they couldn't find him or yeah, there's like a weird thing going on this past couple ones where like the Cespedes family barbecue guys were like trying to like where is he right now? Nobody knows. So uh, no one knows. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be pretty I mean, like if you search him, if you type you on a Cespedes into Google, the first thing that comes up or one of the first things that comes up is um has you on a Cespedes been found, which is like tells you everything you need to know about this like whole saga of him going missing and then the wild boar incident and like all this stuff so yeah i just love i personally love that he was in new york when that happened because there's a way that like if he was in oakland while that stuff happened that like it might not have gotten the amount of attention that it did but because he was playing for the mets um there was just no way that that was not going to be unearthed like you know so it's awesome i love him but we'll see uh Last question before we kind of get to more silly stuff uh, or more fun stuff, really. Uh, with Marcus now in Toronto, Katie's going to be in Texas. I think it's kind of an underrated part. And you talked a little bit with some of the players early in the offseason about uh, losing their leadership. These are two guys who've been in the org for five, six years at this point. Um, just from kind of getting a, a temperature check on the rest of the organization, talk with the guys, like, do you think there's going to be somebody who's going to be making that next step to really being that full clubhouse leader like these guys were? I think it's going to be multiple people, you know, um, Chapman is a guy that's really vocal. Um, one of the more quiet leaders that's been a leader for kind of the glue of that clubhouse for years now has been Chad Pinder. Um, another one that presumably would continue to have that kind of like lead by example type role. Um, I think a couple, it'll be more than one leader in the clubhouse. I don't think it'll be one specific guy. Um, Chapman has been a vocal, a vocal guy in past years. So he's one that I'm sure will step up. Um, Chad Pinder is another one um, that's, he's a little bit more of like a quiet leader, but he came up with Olsen and Chapman in the minor leagues. So he's a guy that kind of like leads by example, um, that kind of brings that like Marcus, energy a little bit more low-key um you know so I, I would look at those two guys but but i would say you know it's also like it's not just going to be one person you know um yeah. i think a lot of guys are going to step up but i'm not gonna lie it's definitely you know those two guys were beloved there like the kd one was really interesting to me because um you know the version that we saw of him was like or i don't know the little that we did see of him was kind of like he didn't you know didn't really love talking to the media. Um, you know, we saw a very different side than the players did. Like I wrote a profile of him a little while ago and like a lot of his teammates were just jumping really excited. And then Katie didn't want to talk at all, you know, and that's kind of like yeah. the the story with him. He doesn't really like the spotlight. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, he was, adored in that clubhouse and same with Marcus obviously like a Bay Area guy and um Cal grad and you know has connections to the area um so so yeah it's it's gonna uh I think it's gonna have like a a pretty big impact 
but they're obviously like in that article where I talked to the players, there are obviously like limits to what they can say. Yeah, um, totally. Out loud. <laughs> so a lot of it was like reading between the lines and like they're saying X and like, you know, like what does that mean and stuff like that. So, yeah. All right, so we're going to do – I know you have to go soon, so we're going to do really quickly some, like, East Coast versus West Coast um, questions because yeah. we thought yep. it would be fun. Before we um, jump into uh, – I know you're in New York right now. You've been there for a bit. Do you do you actually live in the East Bay as well, like when the season had started, like, back in November, or were you always in New York? Yeah, I was in the East Bay. Um, so, yeah, nice. it's – it's been like a little bit of, I mean, everyone's kind of been, it's been a chaotic situation for everyone oh, yeah. with the pandemic yeah. and stuff. But the reason that I'm, I've been in New York is just because um, it's easier where I live. It's, it's like a rural area. Obviously I'm in the city right now, but, um, but where my family is, it's like very spaced out and COVID cases like are not an issue really. Like they're not rising dramatically or anything like that. Um, so um so it just made sense, you know, to to cover remotely, especially with access being the way that it is. Um, so a little bit of backstory there, just so yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. Honestly, prolonged yeah, totally. vacation. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Julio has a very pressing, important question to him that he needs yes. an answer for. You've spent some time in the East Bay now, uh, and you've, obviously you grew up in the East Coast. What's it like eating actual Mexican food? Hmm um actual in all caps yes hmm. um i don't know what the right answer is to this i feel like there is definitely a wrong answer um uh, i probably have i'm probably not the best person to ask because i feel like all the mexican food that i've had has been like gringo eyes or whitewashed or whatever um, <laughs> you want to use so um if i'm being completely honest I, that's fair. That's I will fair. say, so I went to New York. It was I went to New York City like for my first time in November of 2019, mm-hmm. and I actually had like a really bomb taco spot like next to Times Square. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of it specifically, but I was like, I was really shocked. I was like, mm-hmm. my you know, both of us are California natives. We're both live in LA now, or Chris and I live in LA, um, and like my parents have a Mexican food restaurant in the east bay so i'm like i'm very specific with that stuff so like when i hit that yeah. i was like super surprised really good stuff uh chris take this next super important question mm. <laughs> this one can be short i think we know the answer New, uh subway subway or bart subway that's fair Definitely. Okay. Yeah. all right whatever. um all right yeah. and then this, but it's this also because lot- i hear like so many crazy stories about like my colleague Marcus Thompson. There you go. Um, <laughs> my colleague Marcus Thompson. I remember um, when I just moved to the East Bay. I was like meeting up with him. I think we were getting ribs or something. Like, and he chose like the most like Oakland place ever. It was like right what in the middle of like I don't remember. I have a terrible memory. I don't remember, mm. but. Um, station the guard station that he told me to go to like right before i boarded the train or whatever he was like by the way like someone got stabbed outside that station like last week like just so you know and i was like okay like i know that stuff happens in the new york city too like on the subway things like that but i feel like it's a lot more of those stories about part 
like get back to me for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> That's part of the Bard experience, though. It's just part of the Bard experience. All right. So this last question. This is this is yeah. one that is very. Yeah. I think is very important. All right. So which do you prefer, mm-hmm. watching football uh, at one p.m. or watching football at ten a.m. Mm-hmm. in general? Just sports late night or sports. Um, uh, late afternoon to evening. I think late night. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends. Like, wait, what were the time choices again? I don't remember. So, like, football's on at 10 a.m. over here on the West Coast, but it doesn't okay. start till 1 p.m. on the East Coast. And then, like, if you want to watch like baseball games, they start at 4 p.m. over here on the West Coast, but they only start till 7 p.m. on okay. the East Coast. Yeah. 7 p.m. But then on the East Coast, you're up till like 2 o'clock. And in the West Coast, you're only up to like 10. Yeah. 7 p.m. start time is good for me. Um, Interesting. Because I, like I like to get my work done as much as I can during the day. Obviously, with covering the A's See. and stuff, that's not possible. Um, but, but, um, but yeah, I, I generally like nighttime games, um, you know, kind of like a way to wind down and stuff like that. Um, we start venturing into like too, too late. I'm like a grandma. I don't want to stay up too late. So <laughs> then it becomes a little bit of an issue, um, which has made covering the A's from the East Coast a very interesting uh, <laughs> endeavor because yeah. my sleep schedule is like hot garbage during the regular season. During the off season, it's more normal. But, um, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm up to like 3 a.m. And like Oof. sleeping until like 10 11 like it's just really weird um but you know that's like the price i pay so um <laughs> so anyway anyway yeah i like i like nighttime games for the most part yeah we me i was talking with julio about that recently as like because i travel east coast for work a lot too so it is nice to like have be able to work and come home and like be able to watch games all night but then i have to yeah. be up at 8 a.m so it's like exactly. i can't stay up too late yeah um, yeah so Okay, very last thing. Do you believe in East Coast bias? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I think I think, I think definitely- your answer. I think your last answer kind of answered that all completely. Yeah. 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 No, I definitely believe in it. Um, like I remember, um, you know, when I like I interned in Colorado um, uh, right after college, and like I didn't even know that like Mountain Time was like a time zone. Before I moved out there. Yeah. So, like, that's a great example of, like, how ignorant I am about, like, if it's not on Eastern time, I'm just like, what? Like, like, everything is, like, so much less legitimate to someone like me that grew up in New York and stuff. So, at least I own it, right? Like, I know that we're assholes. All right, so I think we'll call it with that. I know you're literally walking out of the station right now. So, yeah, and Grand uh, Central. Central. Look at this view. Yeah. Look at this, everybody. So thanks, thanks for taking us on a thanks for taking us on a tour of uh, of your your train ride into the city. Transit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We appreciate yeah. it, and yeah. um, thank you so much for ma- taking the time. And hopefully, you could become a friend of the pod, and maybe we can yeah. maybe we can do it again soon. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Sorry. Yeah, this love so to have you on. Ace fans, if you're not a part of the athletic, sign up. Get to hear yeah. awesome words from Alex all the time. Alex, again, thank you. Safe travels in New York. Uh, thank you. Go get a nice slice of pizza. I will. <laughs> wow. Bye, guys. All right. Thank you very much, Alex, for joining us. 
cannot tell you how much we appreciate it. From the um, East Coast. Um, East Coast. Um, not the best coast, but um, you know they. Yeah, you know they can deal with their seasons, and we'll just have sunshine all year round. Um, also, Mexican food is better than pizza. I said it. I said it. Yeah, I'm yeah. not afraid to say it. All right, so we just want to talk talk about one last. Uh, well, I mean, kind of two last things, but one we're really only talking about one, and then we're giving a shout out to end the pod. Um. So, I, okay, how do I how do I how do I approach this, Julio? Um. So this segment is this is the segment we were talking about earlier. Um, uh, this week in Bro- Boomers Ruining Baseball, um, team Mariners team president Kevin Mather went on a what was it a town hall a virtual town it hall? It was a Rotary Club. Um, God, that makes it, it even more yeah, boomer again. Yeah. <laughs> so he went on a uh, boomer or a booms. I keep saying it. A uh, Rotary Club Zoom call and didn't realize that um, the Zoom call was being recorded. Now, it wasn't necessarily like a press thing. It was kind of more of like a communal like conversation with people of the local Rotary Club, I, I would assume. Um, and they're just kind of like talking about what, what, what is there a subject that they're talking about? Or um, is it just like, they're just bullshitting. I think it was just like old be, dudes just shooting the shit. Yeah. You know, talking about like Bruce Springsteen or something. I don't know. Um, maybe I love Bruce Springsteen. I'll be honest. God, Bruce Springsteen is the opposite of what, what he was preaching in yeah. this fucking zoom. No, call. but it, it was supposed to be just like, Hey, uh, we want you to here to talk about the seasons, talk about spring training and all that stuff. Yeah. And then uh, he just pretty much jumped on and just started fucking spilling tea from the get-go. And just aired everything out. And it turns out half of what he was saying, Julio, was fucking lies. Did you hear about that? Like, it's just, it just delusional wait, what you, wait, what fucking mean? lies. Like, the, the guy that they said, we'll explain a few of the things that he said in a little bit. But the guy that he said, for example, that doesn't speak English well, that like he, like the, the dude from, was it Dominican Republic? He speaks really good English. Like, and he prides himself on it because he he studied really hard when he got here. Like, I've seen, I looked up interviews after after reading this, and like he speaks like really fucking clear, good English. So it's just like he just being a racist old fuck. Yeah, it's okay. So where do we start? So okay, first off, let's go from there. I think. I mean, I just kick. I just kicked it off for for yeah. all you so, listeners. Yeah. Uh, he so he pretty much just th- said that's a little taste of the bullshit that he did. He, he pretty much said that. Uh, international players should not have interpreters because uh, one, w- one, it costs money. What she's like, oh, we had our interpreter for um, seventy five thousand dollars a year. Seventy five thousand dollars for a year for a Japanese pitcher. I'm trying to find the name. Oh my goodness, Hisashi Irakuma, right? Who's mm-hmm. like the dude's been in the majors for a long time. He's a pretty well respected pitcher, um, and he's like, oh, he didn't have great English, and we shouldn't be paying him seventy five thousand dollars. And then he made a comment like that, and all of a sudden he was speaking good English. Holy shit. Look. Whether here's the biggest thing. If you don't look, you you if you know us, you know that we're pretty liberal people. Um if you really have your own grievances when it comes to immigration, when it comes to people speaking a certain language in this country, that's your own personal thing. We get it. Okay. If that's what you want to believe in. Cool. You are the team president of a really a business. Any good business 
If you want to be successful, you need to take care of your employees, of your personnel in any way possible. Think about all the loops that people have to go through in other different companies when there's a language barrier. You're going to be doing all these different things to make sure things work. Why the fuck would you alienate your employees and th- saying some shit like this? Like, that's not a good but, business move, man. It's super unethical and it's a, not a good business move. But especially the ones who are making you, like, the most money. Like, for example, like, King Felix didn't speak very good English when he first came here. He needed an interpreter. He's making you the most money. And you're going to bitch about getting him an interpreter? Hikashi Iwakuma, the best pitcher on the in on the team for the past, like, what, four four years, you would say? Maybe three years? Yeah. Same thing. Like, and, and then your number one prospect, your number one prospect in your system, um, who's going to be a f- moneymaker for you, uh, in the coming years, he's going to be the star of your team. You're going to put him on posters. You're going to profit from him. You would think that the one thing you would want to do when he comes here is to make him comfortable, make him feel happy, make him feel uh, just appreciated. Yeah, yeah. But no, you just shit all over him. I, I just uh, – so the funny thing about the, the specifically the interpreter thing was – so he gets paid $75,000 a year, which in my opinion, based on all the things that I read that interpreters do, they're not just like interpreters. These guys spend like – they're pretty much like their, their house parent. Because a lot, it's for you. They use these for a lot of like younger players who are just like coming from the Dominican, coming from Cuba, something like that, who are have never lived on their own. They don't know how to like like do all this shit. So it's almost like a life coach for them. They are extremely underpaid. They treat them like they're their own son a lot of the times. So seventy five thousand dollars a year, you're gonna bitch about that, but then you're gonna pay. I think it was like I, I can't remember. Um, what specifically but i think it was like one of his friends has like some mundane job in the system he's willing to pay him like a million dollars or something like that and he does a terrible fucking job at his job apparently but you're not willing to pay an interpreter who does so much like and then <laughs> david sampson the former team president for the miami marlins he came on dan levitard and talked about this and he kind of had a similar way that he went about it when um ichiro first came to the to the to the Dolphin or Dolphin Marlins. Um, by that time, Ichiro spoke decent English, but it wasn't great. He still needed an interpreter. So part of their negotiation of their deal to get Ichiro to come to Miami was that David Sampson wanted Ichiro to pay for his own interpreter. But Ichiro, like they had to negotiate this. This is ridiculous. Um, but um, Ichiro said, like the only way that I'm coming there is if you guys fucking pay for it. Like I shouldn't have to pay for it. Like you guys are employing me. Just the whole. I don't know. I'm kind of going in circles here, but the whole like the idea that an employer would ask an employee to pay for 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 work stuff is just mind blowing for me. Like, so then Ichiro, what? Can he write the interpreter off on his taxes? Like, what? What are we, what are we doing? It's too, and like, there was a there was I can't remember where what it's called or how I found it. Well, I'm pretty sure if you look it up on YouTube. But it pretty much is like a little five, 10 minute video of just Latin players who have become fluent in English and they're just talking about their struggles, their first few years in America of just not knowing English, playing in the minor leagues and bumfuck middle of nowhere, Texas or something. And uh, I think it was, it might've been Carlos Carrasco. I, I could be wrong, but he was like, yeah, I didn't know any English and literally every day for dinner. I would eat Domino's pizza because I couldn't speak fluent English, but I knew how to say pepperoni pizza. 
<laughs> and like, think about that, man. Think about like what, like that's so bad because you know, you're not giving this guy the, the benefits of just being able to be comfortable in an area where you can talk to people. And also yeah. he's eating like shit. <laughs> you need to give yeah. him some better stuff. Give him nutritionist. But guess what, folks? Like, oh, God, God, like I said, they're off. they're ba- like I said, they're babysitters for them. Sometimes I'm trying to look up the prospect that he talked about that didn't. He said doesn't speak any English, but really speaks really good fluent English and prides himself on it because he studied it. Like I was saying earlier, but I can't find it. Um, I'm looking at, like some Seattle Times article and I can't find it. But it's just it was like Julio Rodriguez he, is the prospect. So shout out to Julio. Julio but. Julio Rodriguez. Like so, he's been in the minor leagues for I think it was like three years now or something like that, and. It, it, and he's yeah like they said he studied really hard and 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 the fact that he doesn't even know this about his own player proves that he's just a fucking shit boss he either knew it and is being ignorant and just wanted to be like a uh, racist and say it out loud or he's just like the worst boss ever and he has no idea what's going on in his company that's the, those are there's those are the only two scenarios sorry folks there's only two scenarios those are those two scenarios they don't make him look good either way hate to break it to you chris that's just the tip of the iceberg. There was more. Yeah, I know. So not only did he say that, uh, he pretty much said that he said that Seattle or they lost $2 billion last season, which is, I don't think that's true, but I think he might be saying baseball as a whole, but one, why are you spilling that information? But the other mm-hmm. thing he said, Seattle actually didn't lose a lot of money this last season because they didn't have a lot of money invested into the roster itself. Mm-hmm. Like, cool flex, but okay, whatever. I get it. But uh, this is probably uh, what's going yeah, to he be. Basically, he, he basically admitted into not uh, paying uh, enough for players and completely going against the, like, um, collective bargaining agreement about, like, certain salaries and stuff like that. And then he also, like, said something about minor leaguers. And yeah, how, I was like, going to get to that. I was going to get to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is probably where we're going to see a lot of change and a lot of lawsuits happening over the next couple of years. He pretty much admitted to uh, service time manipulation within baseball. Quick summary, service time, how, what service time manipulation is, is... If you have a certain player who's pretty much out of their options playing in the majors and they have to be in your roster, if you're, they're not on your opening day roster, but they're on your roster three weeks later, later, you can actually manipulate that service time and you can pay them lesser over those years compared to what you could have paid them if you brought them up from the get-go. And the we've biggest, seen this with a lot of prospects. We've seen, we saw Chris this Bryant with, is uh, the biggest one where Chris Bryant's been boom, screwed. Yeah. He's, MVP, World Series winner, multiple-time All-Star. He's getting paid next to shit because the Cubs manipulated his service time. Uh, so now he pretty much admitted that they have been doing this with guys like Jared Kalenic, who uh, he was the top prospect that came over the uh, Cano-Diaz deal. He's been yeah. tearing it up in all levels. He's going to be pretty much a cornerstone guy there. He hasn't played it. And he's pretty much said, yeah, they also have another prospect. <clears throat> I don't have the name in front of me. Pitching prospect. Like, yeah, don't expect to see him this year. Maybe not until 2022 Mm -hmm. because they don't want to pay these guys. Yeah. I mean, we've always known it, but yeah, I mean, the players association is going to have a fat lawsuit against the Mariners. 1000% and they're going to win and it's going to be, 
I, you know what? It's a great bargaining tool for the collective bargaining agreement. I mean, we're both pro players, so I can't wait to see what's going to happen next year. I mean, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Think about, so yeah. the Padres were actually going to do this towards Fernando Tatis when he was getting called up. But then dudes like Eric Hosmer and Manny Machado actually fought the Padres hard on him. Like, no, this guy needs to be on the roster day one. He's going to make a difference, yada, yada, yada. Flash yeah. forward two years later. 14 million 14 year deal 300 something million um some of these guys in the the mariners prospects or mariners like system the mariners actually have like a top three system rated uh when mm-hmm. it comes to minors this year so they have a ton of talent coming up right now we already saw yeah. it last year kyle lewis winning a uh, rookie of the year uh yeah they're they're in some hot shit now you can probably assume he resigned he's no longer the president but uh, I was surprised that that happened. I I honestly thought that he wasn't going to get fired and he wasn't going to resign and it was just going to be business as normal because that's just how baseball rolls. I was pretty shocked. We've been hyping up, for the lack of better words, uh, this upcoming collective bargaining agreement because of everything that happened in 2020 because of mm-hmm. um, a lot of abuse towards minor league player salaries where they pretty much have still work part-time jobs while they're playing in the season. And uh, to say that this is going to add even more chaos to it next, it's, it's going to be spicy. It's, this is going to be an interesting year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think we've said all we can say. If you want to read more, there's plenty of articles on it. Um, Seattle times did a great one uh, that covered it. You, you can even read the transcript on it. Um, but we'll move on to the very last piece. This is a, it's not a, a frustrating note, but it's a sad note, unfortunately. Uh, a reporting, a reporter and a staple of baseball, in my opinion, at least with my generation, I think, passed away recently. Pedro Gomez. Um, I he apparently he was a beat writer for the A's for yeah. Mercury News. Yeah, uh, so. back in the day, which I didn't even know until he passed away. But I know Pedro Gomez as a Baseball Tonight reporter and his classic. Um, sign off from Oakland, California. I'm Pedro Gomez, ESPN. Uh, I, th- I would say that he's one of the top three classics when it comes to that sign off. I would say maybe Rachel Nichols is another one, um, and Ed Werder. <laughs> if there was the rankings for the, and I'm this person, ESPN. That's definitely, he's definitely the top of my list. But yeah, he was everywhere. He was all over S- Sports Center all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah, he um, uh, he, he so, passed away on the day of the Super Bowl too, which kind of sucked. Really young, he was only fifty-eight. Um, pretty, I know his it, from seeing other times clips of him speaking. It sounds like his uh, family members had had previous health history. We don't really want to speculate, um, but it's super sad. He had a son that was in the minors for the Red Sox. He was really proud of him, tweeting about him. Uh, another big thing was he's he was a Cuban American. And he was very vocal about it. So in the A's, or the A's, when MLB actually had a game in Cuba in 2016, he was there. He was talking about how impactful that was for not only himself, but the Cuban culture and for the country itself to kind of repair that relationship that had been you know, pretty stagnant over the last 50 years in American history. Yeah. Uh, but I, I want to get a little bit more about what really he did for the A's. So again, I didn't know this either. Because I think we were tiny when he was recovering the A's at the time. The A's PR mm-hmm. tweeted it, actually. So if you don't follow the A's PR, do so. 
He actually covered the A's from for San Jose Mercury from 90 to 94, and then for the Sacramento B from 95 to 97. Uh, I was reading his Wikipedia page. He covered during Ricky and the Bash Brothers times. Uh, he actually went back. There's a quote saying it was like traveling with the Rolling Stones when it came to covering oh, those really? guys. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. Man. Yeah, I guess they I can only popular. imagine the shit you would, the quotes you would get from Ricky and, and Jose on a daily basis. Uh, but yeah, a big part of A's history. This has just been a really we've talked about this plenty of times this before because unfortunately we've had to have these conversations. It's been a really sad off season for baseball. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest Definitely. thing that's going to help the healing is when the sport is back and we play and the guys are out there and the reporters are out there doing it for his memory and for all the, these other legends we've lost this last year yeah. or this past off season. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate, but, um, I think we're going to end the pod on that note. This one's, uh, Quite a long one, a lot of information, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, last note, just want to say it again. Don't forget to follow Alex Coffee, um, both the athletic, um, her stuff's great, um, and also on Twitter. Her Twitter handle is by Alex Coffee, B Y A L E X C O F F E Y. That's right. She's great. Excited. Love that she joined um, us. Yeah. Thank you again for joining us. Um, we are going to, like we keep saying, we're going to ramp it up, but we're actually going to ramp it up now because spring training has started. It's going on as we speak right now. So we'll do every other week, and then when the season starts, we'll go back to uh, weekly. Um, and hopefully we can have some more guests on because um, guests are fun. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Rest in peace, Pedro Gomez and Julio, last but not least, as we always say. Let's go Oakland to the World Series because this hype is stupid. All right. Because we sold it. We're, we're in. We Drunk sold ourselves hype. on it. All right, guys. See ya. Thanks for joining. The Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy. Chris Madrigal, <laughs> and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song, as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. And last but not least, as we always say, let's go Oakland.